all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. Bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello! <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. <laughs> yeah, that was a better one. <laughs> you gonna welcome everybody? Yes. <laughs> I just got distracted there for a second. <laughs> and welcome, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> Follow us Insta, Twitter, Facebook at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. The best place to send listener topic suggestions and scripts, of which we are accumulating a nice little pile. Yes, very nice. Uh, it's been very helpful. Um, and at this point, we should also mention, because we've forgotten to mention this for, I don't know, the past 175 episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're listening, you know where to find us. But if this is your first time, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think pretty much we're on just about We're on everything. Spotify. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. We're on SoundCloud. Yes. Um, and, other... and the other ones. All the other ones. And all the other ones. <laughs> pretty much, I think. If you find one we're not on, let us know and we'll give it a shot. Um, you can also join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. Yes. All those things. Do all those things. Yes. <laughs> all right. Now I want to try the beer. Yeah. So we got a new got a new beer. It's a seasonal out of uh, Winston Salem Foothills mm-hmm. uh, Brewing. It's a uh, good ship wit ale brewed with lime, ginger, orange, turmeric, and coriander. Okay. Turmeric. So turmeric and coriander do not sound up your alley. They're not. Yeah. But that's okay. Do you know what coriander is? Yeah. Cilantro. Sure. <laughs> it <laughs> okay. is. It's just I guess I didn't know that. It. Yeah. It's like aubergine and eggplant. Mm. As we take a sip at the same time, leave a little dead air. Huh. It's, it's okay. It's a lot milder than I thought. Yeah. It's not terribly like in your face. In your face. <laughs> Making my little my little motion. Your little hand motion. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. It's okay. It is a good. Like light crisp beer for it's like ninety degrees for out. an oppressively hot summer day, which the last couple days, I mean, I think it was what eight thirty or nine o'clock this morning when I went on my walk, and it was mm-hmm. already like eighty eight degrees, yeah. and it's just like, ugh. It's gonna be hot again tomorrow, but then apparently next week it's supposed to cool down because it's gonna rain a lot. Very nice, but... and that is your local Raleigh <laughs> yes, weather our report. local forecast. Yes, <laughs> um, which will be behind by the time you yes. hear this. Um, the day that this episode comes out will be my first day mm-hmm. back in the traditional workforce. Yes. So back to the nine to Which five. You have grind. not been since we started this four podcast. Four years. Yeah. It's been four years, like four years in a month. So yeah, yes, indeed. Um, so here's hoping. That's a long time to not be traditionally employed. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, that's it's gonna how be I weird. S- that's how I started work was uh, as a self-employed music teacher. So that was probably about five years when I so when I started work, it was non-traditional, and then I started a nine-to-five job. So, and then I well, I've done all sorts of things. I'm not going to go over my resume, but uh, yeah. So I'm hoping it'll go well. Did you get a, like a really? Why am I being distracty? Yeah. Um, because I forgot that we have um, photos for our listener script, and they're in my, our All Bad Things Pod email. So I'm trying oh, okay. to pull those up. Gotcha. I didn't have the this account on this phone. <laughs> it's on the other phone. So all right, let me do a little search, and that is who it is, and. Yes, there there are the pictures. I okay. The pictures. Okay. So what so, are we talking about? So the boot. Yes, we have had many um, listener scripts, which has been really helpful. Yeah, keep, keep them coming. Yes, <laughs> we may not have to do any more research this year. <laughs> Worse no. for me. I don't mind doing research, but it, especially as I'm starting a new job, like laying off some clients and starting a new job and a bunch of other stuff, it's super helpful to 
have this to to use. So thank you to all the listeners. We will get to all your scripts. But today we are getting to one from our friend Nicole, who okay. has submitted um, scripts before. Uh, Nicole, who go, uh, uses the pronouns she, her. <coughs> and this is the story of the 1967 Wilcox Expedition. So we're getting... Okay, all right. This might be correct me if I'm wrong. We've had so many suggestions of like bad expeditions Mm -hmm. gone wrong. Yep. But have we ever done any of them? Is this our first expedition? No. Like horribly failed expedition? No, we did one where they were... we did Roanoke, which was kind of... Well, that's that, that's definitely, that counts. But the, the one that I had in mind was uh, the expedition to the North Pole. Did we do? Yes, we did. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> we did but an expedition to the North Yes, we oh, did. Oh, we did planes. Uh, it involved an airship, I believe. Airship, that's yes. right. You're right. You're right. That was, yes, that was an expedition. And that happened like 19 yeah. teens. It was the first... There were two different. There was one expedition where I yes. think the first one, like most people died, and the second one were it was Something. like half and half. Yeah, it was many episodes ago. <laughs> Thank God, it's so <laughs> sad how little we remember. I can't even tell you what it was called. Oh yeah, so. But yeah, we have done. Uh, you're two. right. We have done at least a couple. There's more to come. I mean. Um, oh yes, there's many bad yeah. expeditions. Yes. Erebus, we're gonna do at some point. I have the. Um, it's right there. Uh, Michael Palin of Monty Python. He's also a world traveler and historian, and he did uh, a whole book on Erebus, which I have right there. That's why I keep pointing. There. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so that's definitely on the list. Um, speaking of historians, our good friend Lee Hutch, his mm-hmm. novel, second novel, Molly's Song, is officially now dropped. officially out. Yes, yes. uh huh. So be sure to buy that to support our friend Lee. Um, anyway, uh, so yes, this, but this 1967 expedition. I, I, th- I thought all the expeditions were done by 19, maybe, maybe this was <laughs> the last just, one. But the thing is, there's always going to be places to explore more, right? There are. The ocean especially. Yeah, but there's only so much you can do. I mean, there's. Yeah, you, like people can't really go that far down into the ocean. We have. Like, They've gotten better at it. Um, but we have a lot of like camera and equipment yes, that go down. Yes, and even that stuff can only go so far. Yeah. Yeah, we've been to the moon, but we've yet to go to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> so, oh, by the way. Well, kind of. Well, Titanic, people did go. That's at the bottom of the ocean. Well, uh, like people, how deep are we talking? People been in the Marianas Trench? I don't think they've been there, but. But uh, James Cameron built that submersible. Yes, he did. Yeah, like the little, to... the little pod. He yeah. Built. yeah. So they, That's so right. people have been to, I'm guessing, the shallower, shallower parts of the bottom and of one, the ocean. I'm sure there's a record holder for the probably deepest. But still, it's you know? it's still something that it, it. And I didn't think of that, but you're right. That is like kind of in a way the like the last the frontier. Final frontier aside from space. Yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, I am enjoying um, for all mankind. It on got Apple better. Plus. It got better. It's. It was slow to start. I was very, very slow to by start. It. I know you were kind of. It was losing you a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I think it's pretty great. And just talking of expedition, it's uh, like an alternate history of what if the Russians had gotten to the moon first. Um, but it's. I think. I think it's very good. I'm enjoying it. It got better towards the end of the first season. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, 1967 <clears throat> does seem a little late for. Ex- expediting that's something else <laughs> exploring <laughs> but let's let's see here oh I, I like how it starts you may read this first paragraph on the podcast as well if you wish okay. excellent hello david and rachel nicole she her is back at it again with another alaska disaster oh alaska last time the only survivor was one dog do you remember what Nicole is talking let's just, about? Let's, let's just move along. <laughs> oh, Nicole, I'm so sorry. We have no recall of anything we've done ever. That's, that's when you just move along. I know, but you know me. <laughs> Happy to say that five of the 12 people involved oh, in this one live to tell the tale. Ooh, that means seven die. Which is still a depressing percentage, but hey, a more positive outcome than the Princess Sophia. Oh, that's, okay. That was there it. We go. That was it. 
I do want to note before we start that some quotes I have used, I've changed a word or two here or there to modernize terminology and make it more 21st century appropriate. None of the changes alters the meaning or the quote or the accuracy of the information. I doubt you have any listeners who believe this is censorship or cancel, cancel culture, but if you do, I would like to take this time to invite them to bite me. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm fine with that because it, it gets pretty cringe sometimes when you read like accounts of especially anthropological stuff from but, but to me to me is important to leave it that way as a as a barometer of look how far we've come i i can see both sides yeah. i i also understand nicole being the author of this yeah, like she can do what she wants making her judgment yeah, my my call on that is like leave it the way it is because it's important History is important to put into context. Yes, I agree with that. You know. But, um... And if it offends somebody today, then it offends somebody today and you don't have to read it. Well, uh, but Nicole invites you to bite her, so nah. there you go. She wasn't speaking to me specifically. <laughs> this, or was she? Who knows? This is the story of what has come to be known as the Wilcox Expedition, the deadliest mm. climbing disaster in the United heard of States. This. You have. I've okay. heard of it. I don't know the details. I don't think I have. So this is the deadliest climbing disaster in the okay. United States. Seven people, I'm guessing, because she said 12 and five lived. So, Disclaimer. As there is a lot of history, weather, and other aspects to this story, making the script rather lengthy... Ooh, yeah, it is pretty lengthy. Well, maybe, good... maybe we've got another two-parter. Who knows? Um... <laughs> Sorry. I will only briefly address things uh, such as how altitude sickness works, the basics oh, of mountain yeah. climbing equipment, etc., as these things have been covered in detail in previous episodes, such as the one on the 1996 Everest disaster. That's mm-hmm. still an episode yeah. that, some, that, that gets us a lot of... exploration. Uh, it gets us a lot of... Like, people Feedback. are interested in that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My main source for the disaster itself is a 250-page book. And the following is my attempt to extract enough information to give listeners a solid understanding of what happened. But what information is most important to include or most essential to tell the story is subjective, and I likely have omitted things that others would have included. I will be the first to admit that I have left out a lot, but in addition to not wanting this to be a 10-parter, I also do not want to just lift the entirety of this book, which is available for sale and provide everything within it for free. The book is called Donali's Howl by Andy Hall, and for anyone who wants to learn more, it is very well written and a fairly easy read considering the topic, and I highly recommend it. I also use several online sources, which will be linked at the bottom of the script. History Corner. This disaster takes place in 1967 in Alaska, specifically on the mountain known as Denali. Denali is located in what is known in Alaska as the Interior which is the name for the central region of the state, which is mostly wilderness. Denali is roughly in the center of the 600-mile Alaska range of mountains. Kind of sounds like Alaska is a version of Australia, where, like, everything happens along the the rim, <laughs> the, sure. the border of the country, and everything in the middle is, like, bush. <laughs> bush country, you know, wilderness and stuff. Also because it's fucking cold in Alaska, so yes, people are... For the most part, going to live at its southernmost well, point. Well, and and near water because it mm-hmm. helps moderate the temperature. That's true. Yes. Almost a dozen different groups of native people have their own names for the mountain. There are five Athabascan languages in the surrounding area. The name Denali is from the Koyukon language, which originally originates from the north side of the mountain. The spelling is made up, although let's be real, isn't all spelling made up, yes, <laughs> as Koyukon does not have a written form. Huh. So it's basically like phonetic. Sure. According to James Carey, or Kari, maybe, not not the mask actor, a linguist at the university. Oh. <laughs> University of Alaska, the groups to the north and the west of the mountains mountain have names for Denali that roughly translate to tall one, and from the south, the names translate to big mountain. So, that's all very descriptive. Linguists say that in context, almost every name for the mountain translates to the great one. In 19... or sorry, 1794, George Vancouver... Okay. Ah, I guess there's a reason Vancouver is named Vancouver, probably after George. I don't have, who knows? I guess we'll find out. It's a bit of a quinky dink. A bit. 
George Vancouver became the first non-native person to make mention of the mountain, referring to it as, quote, the stupendous snow mountains, end quote. In 1834, Andrei Glazunov, who there is little information about, he was born in Alaska and is called a Russian explorer in some sources, and both Russian and Alaskan Creole in others, called the highest peak Tanada, which means Great Mountain, in Deg Hitan Athabaskan. I'm really just taking my best stab at all pronunciations here. I feel comfortable Denali. <laughs> After the Crimean War, Russian Tsar Alexander II debated settling Alaska, but this never went much of anywhere due to the difficulty of defending Alaska against Russian enemies. Following the American Civil War, U.S. Secretary of State William Seward or Seward? I think it's Seward. Seward. And Russian Minister Edward de Stokel entered into a treaty which, if ratified, would result in the United States acquiring Alaska. This treaty was easily ratified by the Senate in 1867. Seward had previously opposed the acquisition of what is now parts of Arizona and New Mexico via the Gadsden Purchase, as well as James Buchanan's attempt to purchase Cuba from Spain, because those expansions would be enslaved territory. Following the Civil War, the United States could, could expand without this worry. Um... So that's that that I'm guessing what that means is that has to do with like how it would throw off the balance of pro versus anti-slavery states during the Civil War or pre-Civil War. It was also, it was also of. part of a reason the Civil War happened is because we started to ratify new states mm. and there was pull over what what they were going to be. Were right. they going to be slave states? Were they not? The federal government was right. like, no, they will not be slave states. But, but the, the Confederacy, was which had not happened quite yet, <laughs> like so. Yeah. There, there's, there's some, there was some push and pull to that, and that yeah. that is part of the reason that the the Civil War was fought. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, following the Civil War, the United States could expand without worry. Semi-related note: William Seward was seriously injured by Lewis Powell in April of 1865 as part of the conspiracy to kill him, President Abraham Lincoln, and Vice President Andrew Johnson. Lincoln was the only fatality that night as Seward survived and Johnson was not attacked. That's right. That's why I know that name. Nerves. Yes. Nerve, huh? Although Seward's wife died just two months later and it is said that her health rapidly declined following the attack on her husband. So it can be argued she wound up the second victim of the assassination plot. I did not realize that it was like a, basically a coup assassination, like kill all the tops. It wasn't um, a coup not, not for, a in the coup sense because, se. well, I mean, there were two people involved. Um, I cannot remember the assassin's name at the moment, but it was him and his brother's idea. John Wilkes Booth? Yes, that's him. Yep. And his brother. Uh, uh, famed American actor at the time. That's right. John, mm-hmm. John Wilkes Booth. Mm-hmm. And isn't it fitting that he assassinated Lincoln at a play? Yes. <laughs> well, there <laughs> During yes. a play. <laughs> The purchase of Alaska was known by its opponents as Seward's Folly. I have heard of that. Mm -hmm. And Alaska itself referred to as Seward's Icebox. (laughs) Although the commonly held modern belief that the response to the acquisition was overwhelmingly negative before the discovery of gold in the region is incorrect. Most viewed the purchase positively, partially evidenced by how easily it passed the Senate as they believed it would improve trade with Asia. That makes sense. At the time of the U.S. acquisition... Alaska was known as the Department of Alaska, renamed the District of Alaska in 1894, the Alaska Territory in 1912, then the State of Alaska in 1959. Alaska is the 49th state to enter the Union in January of 1959. Both of my parents were, well, all of our parents were born into a world, yours and mine, that were 48 states. Yep. Uh, Hawaii was not a state. Hawaii became the 50th state later that same year in August of 1959. As a side note, my father was born in 1958. <clears throat> hey, mine, mine too. Both my parents. And is perpetually distressed that there are two entire states younger than him. Yeah, exactly <laughs> like what we were saying. The Klondike Gold Rush began in 1896, for the first time bringing a significant number of white people to the region. Ketchikan... Oh, sorry. The... The Ketchikan Gold Rush began in 1896 for the first... I literally just said that. The Klondike. <laughs> I'm rereading sentences. Sorry. Ketchikan, Alaska, located at the southern tip of the Inside Passage, is known as Alaska's first city. Note, I am visiting Ketchikan in August 2021. How's, it, how's that spelled? 
K E T C H I K A N. Ketchikan. Sure. Ketchikan, it could be. Um, anyway, Nicole is visiting in August 2021. This is coming out August 2nd. So, oh, okay. So if this script yeah, is right. used after that, there are absolutely are pictures in the Facebook group right now. And if this script is used before that, stay tuned for those. Okay, we so go. we should be getting some of those. Yes. Very nice. Thank you. Denali was controversially known as Mount McKinley. Ah, for, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I Okay, yeah. I, I'm not sure I put two and two together there. For much of the 20th century and into the 21st until President Barack Obama directed Secretary of the Interior Sally Jewell to formally change the name to Denali in 2015. Yeah, I remember when that happened because, of course, like the the uh, right, right-wing industrial complex uh, lost their shit over that mm-hmm. one. And now this is Nicole's commentary. One of the only objectively good things a president has ever done. <laughs> Support- sure, I mean, that's sad to say that that was one of Obama's <laughs> biggest accomplishments, but looking back, sadly, it might have been. He renamed a mountain. Wait, wait, that's exactly what we voted for. <laughs> Two big things. Free preventative uh, health care with insurance granted, which is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And uh, no more pre-existing condition conditions yeah and he was cool <laughs> and that rousing he got to be cool and that, and that rousing success led to the election of donald trump yeah well okay yeah support for changing the name to denali had initially gained traction in the 1980s and early 20th century explorers and climbers in the region had also expressed their dissatisfaction at the mountain being named for president william mckinley when the area became a national park in 1917 President McKinley had no direct connection to Alaska, and the name initially gained popularity following his 1901 assassination. Oh, <laughs> that's like right. Memoria, yeah, that's right. Memorializing, yeah. basically. I don't know why I always forget that he was assassinated, but he was assassinated in Buffalo. That's, like we, yes, we, we, we stood, were. We stood on the site was where he was by, killed. Like, City Hall in yes, Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, here is where. Yeah, <laughs> there was a memorial. There's a memorial yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That, <laughs> that's right. And that's how uh, Teddy became president. Mm hmm. As reported by the National Park Service in 1916, Hunter and Naturalist, not Nationalist, those are two very different things. Oh, he could have been that too. Naturalist, (laughs) Charles Sheldon wrote the government asking that the native name be preserved. And in his 1930 memoir wrote, quote, the natives who have lived for countless generations in the presence of these colossal mountains have given them names that are both euphonious and appropriate. Can it be denied that the names they gave to the most imposing features of their country should be preserved? Can it be too late to make an exception to current geographic rules and restore these beautiful names? Names so expressive of the mountains themselves and so symbolic of the natives who bestowed them? End quote. Uh, and Nicole put natives in parentheses, so my guess is like that's part of her like. Let's just use the term like native or indigenous versus sure. yeah. what have been used before. If we recall <clears throat> from the episode on the 1996 Everett disaster, <laughs> good luck. I'm not sure I recall anything from. <laughs> I do. I recall a few things. Uh, the man for whom that mountain was named also opposed an anglicized name for that peak. At the time the name was formally changed, most people were already referring to it as Denali. The state of Alaska had changed the name of the national park from Mount McKinley National Park to Denali National Park in 1975, 40 years before the mountain itself got its current legal name. Denali is a better name than McKinley, Mount McKinley. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It's poetic. Denali, Denali. Also, there's a car. That's actually a a car. It's a car package. Oh, really? I thought yeah. it was a model, like a mate Mm-mm. model. If you see Denali and that's on GMs, Chevys, GMs, that means that's like the, that's the top package. I literally thought that that was like, I did, like you I have did. a Jetta. I thought yeah. it, there was a Denali. Yeah. No, it's, it's I a thought package. That until I worked in the car uh, business, I, I thought the same thing. It's like the special, special, super special package. Of, yeah. If you see, if you, if, if you see a Denali badge on, on a GM car, that means mm. it's got all the fucking toys. Gotcha. Same thing as if you, on a Ford, if you see a titanium, uh-huh. that means it's got all the fucking toys. <laughs> does White Lightning have a titanium? It <laughs> certainly does not. It has whatever the opposite Brass. of a titanium it is. Even lower than that, like, uh, uh, iron ore. I, I don't know. No, iron's that's, that's, better that, than I was going to say it is. Yeah, maybe brass. Plastic Bronze. package. Yeah. The 1967 package. <laughs> it but with, has but, all the but without, edge. but without a cigarette lighter. 
<laughs> All the so, cutting edge features. White yeah. Lightning is my car, in case anybody doesn't know. He is almost 10 years old and 130,000 miles and, and going would, just fine. You would not know with any of the features in the car that it was made this century. That's <laughs> not fair. But it's true. Just because the sound <laughs> system went... The individual who unfortunately held the office of the presidency from 2017 to 2021, oh my God, imagine being impeached more times than you were elected. <laughs> That's true. That's had, one way to put it. Didn't had, think of it that way. Had partially campaigned on the promise to rename the mountain McKinley. <laughs> of did course he, really? he fucking did. Who fucking cares? <laughs> Saying that the name change was, quote, an insult to the great state of Ohio. Wait, quote, what? In a 2015 tweet, but was discouraged from doing so after taking office by Alaska Senators Dan Sullivan and Lisa Murkowski, who told him that Denali had been the name of the mountain for thousands of years and that they did not support reversing the name change. Due to the now established precedent, it is unlikely that the mountain's official name will change again. <laughs> Denali, <laughs> what a fuckwit. <laughs> Imagine being such a dipshit human. Uh, but but I mean but I mean again something I wish uh, our faux left wing compatriot he's pandering to his base that's all he's doing. Well, did Trump create Trumpers or did Trumpers create Trump? Uh, to me the two were destined to meet up at some point. Mate, they just had. Well, to... like the literally like the stars had to align like. Mm. Um, media trust basically trust in all of our institutions had to go to complete shit, mm-hmm. which is something that was still happening today. Yes, for legitimate reasons. Um, Both and legitimate and illegitimate reasons. I but I think the legitimate ones outweigh the illegitimate ones. I really well, do. for example, I would say that the anti-vaxxers don't have a fucking like to stand on. But no, but um, like Donald Trump would not have been elected president even in like 2008 like i don't think like it i don't think trust in our institutions had eroded all that enough much. yeah so like he it could have only happened when it did in the media atmosphere mm-hmm. and yeah like literally the stars aligned and every single thing that had to happen for him to become president mm-hmm. did happen you know it's funny at this point our podcast has outlasted his pre- the duration of his presidency. Almost, not quite. Yeah, because it's four years. But we were we didn't start our podcast until six months into his administration. No, no, no. no. What I'm saying is he was president for exactly four years. Oh, right? I see what you mean. Yeah, we have been going That's for true. four years and almost true. a month now. Yeah, so we've outlasted Trump. <laughs> but you're right. We started during his presidency. Yeah. Oh, Denali. <laughs> Denali National yeah, Park is over 6 million acres and is home to nearly 40 species of mammals, one species of frog. Well, very hardy frog, I There's imagine. one, yeah. Uh, 160 species of birds, 14 species of fish, 758 species of plants, over 600 species of moss, and I don't know how to pronounce this word. I've read it. L-I-C-H-E-N. Lichen? Is that lichen? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And eight species of trees. That's the problem with being decently well read, but not well heard. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear Is so well. you recognize words and you can spell them, but you don't know how to pronounce them. <laughs> you said L-I-C-H-E-M. Yeah. Yeah. Lichen. lichen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know moss had... I thought moss was moss. Moss is moss. <laughs> I guess it makes sense. Yeah, I guess or, it makes or sense. Or like a, a, a part. Type sure. of species. I don't know. Uh, cheers to whoever figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been really boring up there. <laughs> the mountain was known as McKinley at the time of this disaster, but with the exception of direct quotes, this script will call it Denali. Fair enough. The first serious attempt to summit Denali was in the early 20th century. We can say this with reasonable certainty because there are no stories or even legends of Alaskan natives attempting to climb the mountain. Yeah, yeah they're because they're, 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 like, they're, like, they're like, look at these fucking idiots. I wonder, right? how, ma- I wonder how many are going to die on this trip. Mm-hmm. 
It's it's just like no no see we know better. Yeah, like, like, like yeah, like, we look at this beautiful mountain. Yeah. We don't try to summit yeah. this beautiful mountain. No. That's just stupid. It's fucking crazy enough just living in Alaska. Like why do we need to scale a mountain too? <laughs> oh here we go. See this is us. <laughs> this is us reading ahead without oh, reading okay. ahead. Uh, there does not seem to be any religious or cultural opposition to climbing Denali. The natives revered the mountain but didn't climb it because they saw no reason yeah. to. <laughs> I assume at this point Rachel and David will cheer the native people's perspective. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We were doing that. Yes. Yes. I love it when our listeners, like, basically read our minds. Like, know what we're going to say <laughs> yes. next. Yes. There was nothing on the mountain they needed in order to survive. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> and as they had already worked hard to survive in their environment, they seemed to have see. They seemed to have seen no reason to make it harder on themselves. Yeah. yeah. And Denali, the tallest mountain in North America at 20,320 feet, is arguably the biggest mountain on the entire, biggest mountain on the entire planet. So not highest. Mm -hmm. It is 144 square miles and rises up from a 2,000 foot plateau to achieve an 18,000 foot elevation increase from base to summit. So that's almost three miles high. A little over three miles high. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mount Everest is 9,000 feet farther above sea level at 29,029 feet, but it rests on the Tibetan Plateau, which is already 17,000 feet above sea level. That's interesting. That's an interesting way to, like, gauge it. Everest herself is 12,000 feet from base to summit. Okay. And let's see. Nicole said Denali is 18,000. Okay. Okay. As stated by author Andy Hall, quote, a similar plateau as Everest's lifts the Andes. Without these geological booster seats, these peaks would all lie in Denali's shadow, end quote. Okay, so it's, Denali is only the... It seems like what they're trying to say. North America, but if you account for the, mm-hmm. already the plateaus that mm-hmm. they're on, it's actually, aside from that, the tallest. Sure. So that's interesting. It's an interesting way to sort of look at it. Um, note on Andy Hall. His father, so this is the author of the the book that um, Denali's Howl, I think it was, that Nicole was talking about. His father, George, was a park superintendent at Denali at the time of this disaster and will feature heavily later in this story. Andy himself was five years old and has vague memories of the time. And no, to my knowledge, these halls are not related to Rob Hall, who famously died on Everest in 1996. He was the one who called his pregnant wife from the mountain to say goodbye. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Halls are pretty common name i would understand that that maybe isn't a relation in 1903 judge james wickersham and four others made the first attempt to summit the mountain in 1903 camping near an athabascan hunting party of approximately 50 men and 100 malamute dogs malamute sure okay led by two athabascans named Nakaria and Oliman. Sure. Okay. Wickersham used an interpreter to explain to the natives that they were what they were planning to do. One of them told him that, quote, mountain sheep fall off that mountain. Okay. <laughs> That's a good one. Another asked, quote, what for you go to the top, gold? End quote. No, Wickersham said. They meant to go just to be the first to stand on the top. Oleman laughed with the others before speaking to the interpreter. The interpreter turned to Wickersham. Quote, he says you are a fool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you are a fucking fool. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, this this should be good for some more one-star reviews about people who don't I mean, like if that's, that. I mean, if that's what you want to do, and you know the risks that... And at this time, I'm sure that they do know the risks, and that some people will almost certainly die, and they... them. But I understand... I mean, exploring is just in Some mankind. Some blood. It's just in in human DNA. It just really is. Um, Some humans DNA. I'm very uncurious. About I'm, I understand you are, but our species as a whole, most people want to go out into the world and see different things. You know, the world also needs frightened people like me, yeah, like you. They're like anything. There has to be a balance. Exactly. But yeah, I, I can balance the force. But I can totally see how the natives be like. All right, good like, luck. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well done. Like uh, enjoy. Like we're we're gonna be placing bets on who lives and who dies <laughs> while you guys are up there. This attempt to summit Denali failed shock and modern analysis has determined that they had unknowingly taken one of the most challenging routes 
The first successful summit attempt was 10 years later when Harry Karstens, Hudson Stuck, Robert Tatum, and Walter Harper's three-month expedition three months. ended the summit race. Took them three months wow. to summit. Harper, uh, uh, Harper, an Athabascan man who was the first one of the men to stand on the summit, died five years later on his honeymoon when the Princess Sophia sank no in the shit. Lynn Canal in October of 1918. Wow. Jeez. So he survived summiting Denali, being the first person to summit Denali, but he didn't survive a beached ship mm-hmm. that they that, then... That a lot of people didn't survive. Yeah. Most people didn't survive. Yeah, that was a bad one. Mm-hmm. Actually, in none of them, just the dog. Like uh, Nicole said. Okay. Mm-hmm. Remember, I... that was the one with the bad storm. Yeah, I like, do. They saw, they saw them, but they couldn't rescue them because it was a bad storm. But I thought some people survived. Apparently not. I guess not. Not according I, to Nicole. She did the research. Sorry, Nicole. We've done so many yeah. episodes at this point. Hashtag, all... <laughs> you know what? Here's, here, is, here is an assignment for any super listener who just wants to gain brownie points for no reason and you don't have to do this but what is our total body count to date oh my god <laughs> thousands hundreds of thousands because we've had mass casualty events. hundreds of millions because remember we did an episode on the death star <laughs> that would be the hardest one wouldn't it to really ask well you just have to look it up on wikipedia a range on wikipedia. is acceptable a range is acceptable okay <laughs> we need to keep going yes we do <laughs> this is a long one this may be a two-parter I don't mind getting two parts out of, no, uh-uh. out of these. This is interesting. This is really interesting. Um, so uh, Harper, Walter Harper, and his bride are buried in Juneau. Alaska. Oh, okay. The capital. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, not Genoa, as I was taught as a child. <laughs> it's Juneau. The first woman to summit Denali was Barbara Washburn in 1947, who ascended the mountain with her husband Bradford. Bradford Washburn pioneered the idea of using aerial photography to examine mountains and created many maps of Denali and the surrounding areas. We will hear from him later in the story, and you will either call him iconic or a complete dick. There will be no in-between. Well, I'm fascinated now. I would like to... His name is Bradford. That's a strike yeah, against that's a, him. I was going to say that. I'm, I'm leaning I'm, towards complete dick. I'm leaning towards complete dick as well. Maybe that's being judgmental. All right. Weather corner. The mountain's elevation as well as latitude play a part in the dangerous conditions of Denali. Fun fact, Raleigh, North Carolina Mm. is 10 degrees farther north of the equator than Mount Everest. Okay. Okay, because the Earth's atmosphere tapers at the north and south poles, the troposphere is thinner the closer you get to one of those poles. Okay. At the equator, the troposphere is about 10 miles thick and about half that at the North and South Poles. Denali is only 1,800 miles from the North Pole, roughly the same distance from Raleigh to Salt Lake City. I love the these analogies. These yeah, right. Cool. Very salient to us, us. And therefore is much closer to the top of the troposphere than most of the peaks that are farther above sea level, including Everest and K2. This means that there is about half the oxygen at the top of Denali than there is at the same elevation at the equator. Everest is not at the equator, so it would be false to say that 20,000 feet up on Everest has twice as much ox- oxygen as 20,000 feet up Denali, but it is not too far from off from that. I have not done the exact math, and anyone who knows me would know my math would probably be wrong anyway. <laughs> it also means that the jet stream is closer to the Earth's surface, creating colder temperatures and more severe winds. As Andy Hall says in his book, quote, Atmospheric conditions can drive the jet stream even lower, commonly bringing winds of 100 miles per hour, 160 kilometers, or more to bear on Denali's heights. Winds of 100 miles per hour. That's fucking crazy. On a mountain. Yeah. And when those high-speed air currents encounter the peak's morphology, their velocity can increase dramatically. At Denali Pass... But Denali Pass. Denali Pass. You shall not pass. A Denali <laughs> Pass. <laughs> Got you very became, posh you, all you, of a sudden. Became British all of a sudden. Have you been watching that British dating show lately again or yes, something? Love yeah. Island, yes, Love Island. Yes, I did that's, watch that's, some that's today. Why. That's exactly why. I knew it. <laughs> For the first time in a long time, yeah. so that's hilarious. 
you're just being a lad. <laughs> He's metal. Do you have to be so daft? <laughs> Oh, he's a rock geezer. <laughs> I'm so sorry to everybody from the United Kingdom. <laughs> Not really, though. Uh, especially it's, from Essex. Yeah, okay. It's more, <clears throat> it's more fun you're having that accent. <laughs> At Denali Pass, between the Pass. north and south summits, a stream of air moving perpendicular to the peaks creates a relative vacuum and pulls wind through the pass at speeds much greater than that of the prevailing wind. When the wind blows through Denali Pass, it is compressed and accelerated like water through the nozzle of a fire hose. End quote. So that's not good. No. That's not good. And I said end quote, but obviously Andy Hall didn't say any of that stuff about Love Island. (laughs) Hopefully everybody understands where we broke Not that you know. Maybe maybe he explored that (laughs) as well. Maybe he's a big fan. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Maybe he knows a lot about Love Island. (laughs) (laughs) Topographically. All right. The Wilcox Expedition. The Wilcox Expedition consisted of the following men. Joe Wilcox, age... Any guess? Uh, I'm going to go with 27. That's not bad. You didn't say I'm saying it. 24. Oh, okay. Steve Taylor, not a Barrowsmith, 23. That's uh, Steven Tyler. Oh, damn it. (laughs) That was close. (laughs) Kind of. Mark McLaughlin, 24. Jerry Clark, 31. Anshul Schiff, 30. Hank James, 25. Dennis Lutcherhand, 23. Walt Taylor, 24. There's another Walt. Lots of Walters. John Russell, 23. Howard Snyder, 22. Paul Schlichter, 22. And Jerry Lewis, 30. Okay, not that Jerry Lewis. Would have been better if it was, though. <laughs> great. If Jerry Lewis had tried to summit Denali. Oh, okay. But you know Jerry Lewis would have <clears throat> demanded to bring like one of the sick kids up with him. <laughs> You know, apparently, Jerry Lewis is kind of... Or is he alive? He's dead, right? I think so. Oh, my God. It's hard anyway. to... Somebody brought up, again, on a political show, somebody brought up, like, Henry Kissinger is still alive. It's like, oh, my God. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Are you kidding yes, me? Yes, I know. Somebody you'd think would have been dead a long time ago. I no. thought he's dead. So did I. Is he, like, 97 years old? I think he's, like, 94 or something mm. like that. Yeah. He's up there, but he's still alive. Kissinger is still alive. I know. Alive. He's still alive. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's like, how? It's bizarre. It's because he sold his soul to the devil. That's why. Well, yeah. But yeah. Jeez. Okay. I th- I th- yeah, I'm pretty sure Jerry Lewis is dead. He was apparently so. kind of a jerk. Well, I mean, if you're an entertainer in any form, like it's musician, actor. You. well, It's the, like being named Bradford. The odds, well, no, the odds of you being a kind of a dick and pretentious are pretty great because you kind of have to be both of those things to make it in that business. I think, you, well, yeah. You do. It, I don't think you have to be, but it helps things a lot. Oh, yeah. 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 Because the because the amount of self-confidence you need to have to get to that level, you're probably yeah. going to wind up being a dick at some point. Same thing with chefs. Most chefs are dicks. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They are. Yeah. No, <laughs> I agree. All had climbing experience, <laughs> some much more than others, and most of them did not know each other before climbing together to coming together to climb the mountain. I don't like uh, that that's idea. Not great. No. You should at least like have a team bonding sure. experience. They probably Get to know did. each other. Well, yeah, they no. probably did before they went up. I listed them all here at the start of this portion because some will feature more heavily than others in the story, and I wanted all of their names said out loud together. That's fair. After visiting Alaska in nineteen sixty six and wishing to go back to conquer Denali, Joe Wilcox set out to find men who would join him. The initial well-regarded and extremely experienced mountaineers he approached declined, but eventually Wilcox was joined by Clark and McLaughlin. He then mailed out an expedition newsletter to potential expedition members, which listed the cost as $300 per person, about $2,000 today, which which is about a third to a quarter as much as it currently costs to climb the mountain with an expedition. So it costs like between 6,000 and uh, 8,000 now. No, no thanks. (laughs) I'd rather, I'd rather go to Monaco. (laughs) (laughs) There's a much better chance of making it out of Monaco alive than uh, Denali. Very much so. And you can gamble (laughs) and, and walk to France. As long as you don't live there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just don't drive a car while you're there. Just walk. Well, or if you do, don't have a stroke while you're driving. That, that but too. that's not much we can 
control about that. Anyway, the training for the climb would take place at Mount Rainier, a 14,400-foot peak in Washington State. I have been there. It is gorgeous. That's Nicole. That's not me. I, I Yeah, I figured. Um, I have not I may been have to Washington seen, State. I have. I may have seen Rainier. I drove from Tacoma <clears throat> to Seattle. So You would have seen it then. Probably. I've seen, yeah. I know I've seen Mount Hood. Like yeah. That's the one that I, I remember the most. But anyway. Isn't that, the, isn't that what separates Tacoma and Seattle? Is that mountain? Rainier? I don't know. I don't know where it is geographically off the top of my head. Okay. Yeah. I think I'd it does. I have to look it up. Well, I mean, a state separates Tacoma and uh, Seattle. Tacoma's uh, east, Washington State. Seattle is on the coast, west coast. No, that's not right. No, I'm that's, not thinking uh, what Tacoma. What are you saying? Like Seattle <laughs> and Tacoma on, are on, in the on. same state. What like, am I thinking? There is a university know. there. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, because it's SeaTac, isn't it? <laughs> Never mind. Hold on. It's not Tacoma. But the, the mountain range... How it's formed is why Seattle gets a lot of rain, why Tacoma doesn't. Oh, okay. Spokane. Spokane is what I'm thinking of. I drove from Spokane to Seattle. Never mind. Spokane is also in Washington State. It's the capital. I know. Right? No, it's not. (laughs) Olympia. Is it Olympia, Washington? I feel like it is. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. I don't know. Last time we said with any certainty we were sure about uh, state capital, we got a one-star review. We so did. let's see. Uh, I think it is Olympia. So there, there is no way. So Seattle is here. There is no way that <laughs> Rainier is there. I guess <laughs> That's not. That's Tacoma. But let's see where it is since we're doing this. Since this will likely be a two-parter now. <laughs> let's see. Mount Rainier. It's not. It's not that far, really. Like there's Mount Rainier. Uh huh. There's. It's a little south east of Tacoma. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> well, now that we know where Mount Rainier is. <laughs> and now that we know all that's these where they trained. fun facts about the state of Washington, yes, which we're not even talking about. Spokane is what I meant to say, not Tacoma. Spokane. In an attempt to gain sponsorship and publicity for the climb, Wilcox wrote to Bradford Washburn, the photographer and mountaineer who was married to the first woman to summit Denali 20 years earlier. So this is, I guess, where we're going to figure decide if he was uh, a rogue or an asshole. <laughs> the founder of the Boston Museum of Science, oh. which I have been to, Washburn could provide a significant endorsement of the expedition, something Wilcox wanted. Washburn was known for assisting climbers in their quest to summit the mountain. Wilcox described to him what he intended to do, adding in a vague scientific component to the expedition in the hope it would increase credibility. Wilcox was a student at Brigham Young University and mentioned that they supported the scientific component, which would involve unspecified unspecified experiments on the Muldrow Glacier located on the lower part of the mountain. There are scientific things at BYU? That's interesting. (laughs) Considering their namesake. No shade to anyone who went to BYU, but do you know who the fuck Brigham Young was? Uh, it's Steve Young's great-great-grandfather. Mm-hmm. And a creeper and a half. <clears throat> By Steve Young, I mean the former quarterback. He is of the Youngs. No, I know. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah you've told me No, that. for people that don't oh, gotcha. know that. Yeah, Steve Young went to BYU, which is literally his namesake. <laughs> Washburn replied to the letter offering to sell Wilcox maps and photos that might help with his plans and said that without geologists with PhDs carrying out the scientific experiments, the Boston Museum of Science would not be endorsing the climb. Wilcox replied to Washburn, the letter printed in Andy Hall's book. So here's the letter. Dear dear Dr. Washburn, I will be leading a nine-man expedition on Mount McKinley this June. It appears we will receive considerable publicity from area newspapers and TV stations. They seem excited by the fact that we may put a camp on the summit, climb both the north and the south summits simultaneously, or put a camp on each summit. According to the Park Service, some climbers spent the night on the summit in 1960. To the best of your knowledge, one, has anyone else spent the night on the summit? Two, has any group climbed both peaks simultaneously? Three, has anyone camped on the North Summit? Four, has anyone camped on both summits simultaneously? Yeah, this guy's a dick. <laughs> like, like anybody who has, like, lists things out in numbers. No, this is Wilcox. This oh. isn't Washburn. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, he's a dick, too, I then. I guess so. Your help will be greatly appreciated. I do not want my group to claim a first unless it is indeed 
a first. Please reply soon, because the news media are anxious to start releases. Sincerely, Joseph F. Wilcox. This man, I guarantee you, was also heavily preoccupied with the virginity of any of his sexual conquests, because clearly he has an obsession with being the first. (laughs) I was was wondering where you're going with that point, but yes. We want to be the first. If we're not going to be the first, we don't want to do it. It's so gross. Washburn replied on Museum of Science letterhead just five days later. Imagine, like, having to wait for letters in the mail. I know, right? I barely remember those days. I had a pen pal at one point. There you go. Like a little pen pal. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, dear Mr. Wilcox, we've received your extraordinary letter regarding the plans for your record-breaking efforts this year. I have answered hundreds of queries about Mount McKinley over a long period of time, but never before have I been faced with the problem of answering one quite like this. In fact, I am amazed that the National Park Service would grant a permit for such a weird undertaking. A Japanese party spent a very comfortable night on the top of the South Peak, and another party climbed both peaks in the same day. So he's answering his questions there. In fact, the 1942 Army Expedition and our 1947 Expedition lived comfortably for literally weeks above 15,000 feet and could have easily spent a week or more on top of either or both peaks if we had had the slightest inclination to do so or any conceivable reason for it. But the the reason they were there were were to fight the Japanese, like literally. (laughs) After all, climbers have spent week after week on Everest, K2, Nanga Parbat, and other scores of Himalayan giants far in excess of McKinley's altitude, packing heavy loads and climbing difficult rock and ice simply for the sheer love of it, not just sleeping their way into headlines. Nice. That's some shade. Oh, yeah. That's That's early early shade. That's shade before there was shade. Right? For your information, according to our records, the mountain has not yet been climbed blindfolded or backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Nor has this this is so this is so so you don't think he's a dick. You're you're fine. No, 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 no. No, this is the guy. This is the guy that she's that Nicole said you'll either think he's great or uh, you will either call him iconic or a complete dick. Okay, I'm going with iconic. I know, yeah. I'm kind of... Now I'm confused by all the names, so I'm getting... Okay. Nor has any party of nine persons yet fallen simultaneously into the same crevasse. Yeah, he's he's literally... He's literally... A, a Telling tw- him to go fuck himself. No, he's a Twitter troll before... Way before <laughs> trolling was ever even a thing. He he's was a letter troll. He was a letter troll. He's a letter troll. <laughs> a correspondence troll. <laughs> we hope that you may wish to arise to one of those compelling challenges. Very truly yours, Bradford Washburn, director. See, I... Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty great. But he's also like a bit of a dick, but it's like, you know... It's like a dick that you can get along with. What he's with. doing is he's smacking this guy down, being like, who the fuck do you think you are? It's like... It's like he's our asshole. <laughs> a little bit. Everybody has that group of friends where somebody's the prick, and it's like I get it, like I understand. If I didn't know this person personally, I would think the same way. But he—he's <laughs> our asshole. George Hall then wrote to Washburn, telling him that there were no grounds to deny Wilcox and his party permission to climb the mountain, as stated in an interview thirty years later. "Quote." Here I've got a guy who is important, yet difficult and influential, screaming about not letting them on the mountain, and I've got no basis that I know of not to let them on the mountain, end quote. Washburn replied that he had misinterpreted the intent behind Wilcox's letter, but defended his own position. All of this is quite wordy to read about in detail, but it seems Washburn's basic position is that firsts are less exciting when they become all broken down to variations. Yeah, that's true. That That's a good point. So he views first man to summit and first woman to summit as big accomplishments, but that yeah, first like, person to sleep on the peak, first person to it, sleep on the, it's like the Guinness, that peak. It's like the Guinness Book of World Records. It's like, it who fucking comes cares? comes down to weird things, yeah. First person to spend more than one night on this peak, etc. was more about people wanting credit for a first rather than an actual significant accomplishment. Yep. I, I would have to side with him on that. Yeah. As the expedition date grew close, but that was hilarious. That was that was epic. As the expedition date grew closer, the Wilcox expedition firmed up into the team of Wilcox, 
Schiff, Steve Taylor, not Stephen Tyler, Walt Taylor, Luchterhand, James McLaughlin, and Russell. Another expedition of four men, Howard Snyder, Jerry Lewis, not, not the that Jerry Lewis, Steve Lewis, and Paul Schlichter were preparing to venture from Colorado to climb the mountain around the same time. The two teams were aware of each other and had tentatively planned to coordinate and not combine their efforts, but combining wound up becoming a necessity. Seven hours before driving north, Steve Lewis broke his nose in a car accident and would no longer be able to take part. This brought. I can see having a broken nose. Yeah, you. You. That's not good. No. That's not good. Period. Scaling a mountain. Where oxygen is. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. No. You need all. You need both nostrils. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You need all your nostrils. You need all. All all two of them. All twenty nine of your nostrils. This brought the Colorado expedition one man short of the four that were required by the Park Service. After Wilcox was approached about taking the three Colorado men into his own expedition, he agreed, but only if the rest of his men also approved. They did, begrudgingly. Dennis Luchterhand pulled Wilcox aside, saying he was going to leave the expedition because of the feeling that something would go wrong. Wilcox encouraged Luchterhand to think it over before making a decision. Lecterhan wound up going to Denali, but he would not come back. Mm. So he had a bad feeling, and he was right. Unfortunately, he still did. One complication to the merger was that Howard Snyder, expecting to be an expedition leader when the Colorado team numbered four, now had to take a subordinate role to Wilcox. While the merger was unanimously approved by all 12 men, there was a written agreement that named Wilcox as leader, and the sentiment among the group was that the original members of Wilcox's team were just that, originals, while the Colorado men were the guys who joined them at the last minute. The tension between... Well, in in retrospect, I wouldn't want this expedition named after me, because it's clearly a failed attempt that did not end well. The tension between the groups, and even within the original Wilcox expedition, as these men were not lifelong friends but new acquaintances, as well as, yeah, they're basically all strangers, as well as the comparative inexperience of the members to other climbers and the fact that they were taking a cheaper and less well-documented route up the mountain have all been cited as contributing factors to what ultimately happened. However, while some decisions may have been differently made under different circumstances or with different dynamics, the same can be said about almost any any situation, and it would come to be known that weather conditions on Denali in the summer of 67 would have been unsurvivable to almost anyone. So weather's what did mm-hmm. that, apparently. Well, that it always is when you're doing a mountain expedition. Well, it's always a factor. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's going to do you in, necessarily. Uh, yeah. Talking Not about- if it's good weather. Yeah, but when is it ever good weather on, like, the top of a mountain? That's a good question. I don't know, because I don't go <laughs> yeah. up mountains. No, I don't either. That's not my thing. <laughs> the climb. I was, I was wondering if you were going to read the beer bottle. I was just looking at the ABV. <laughs> That's all. It's just a 5.1. That's not bad. Altitude and morale began affecting several of the men almost as soon as they began their journey. That's not good. Mm -mm. Steve Taylor seemed to develop psychological issues Mm. at the sight of the mountain, with Snyder reporting that he seemed, quote, in a continual state of depression, end quote, once Denali came into view, and, quote, it was literally worrying him sick. I think psychologically he just wasn't ready for the expedition, and I'm not sure why he was there, end quote. Stephen Stephen Taylor. Steve Taylor's frequent stops and bad mood wore mentally on Snyder and Schlichter, who were hiking most closely with him as the team brought caches of food and supplies to the different camps they'd utilized on their way up and down Denali. At one point, Steve got separated from the group, and how that happened remains unclear. According to Snyder, Steve had fallen behind repeatedly, and they had searched for him. According to Steve Taylor... Snyder and Schlichter had berated and ridiculed him repeatedly before leaving him behind. Wilcox was furious at the Colorado men and accused them of not being committed to their fellow climbers, essential for survival and mountaineering, and they defended themselves by questioning Steve Taylor's competency, a lack of which would also endanger the group. When Wilcox implied he would withdraw his consent to allow the Colorado men to climb with them, they apologized so they wouldn't lose their chance to climb Denali. This sounds really fucking dangerous. I don't think you want to climb 
I don't think you want to do anything dangerous with a group of people that you don't trust. Like, well, that's and again, terrible. like they didn't. Uh, it's kind of like a mixed bag of people. You know what I mean? Literal strangers. It's like yeah. a, a potpourri of people. Yeah, you would think if you're gonna do this. I guess I guess you could kind of say this is professional at this point, but if you're if you're gonna do it like that, you would think you would be going with the same group of people on every. Exp- you know what I mean? Like, like yeah, you, like, like your you team. team, like your team, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Or at least like a few guys that you had done it with before, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. But I guess they're so they're so obsessed with firsts, <laughs> the first group of strangers to ever summon yeah. Denali. How first about group that? Of dipshits to even give it a try. The expedition set up Camp One at the top of the McGonagall Pass near the Muldrow and Chaleka glaciers. They ascended up the middle of the Muldrow Glacier where they encountered rain. This did not necessarily present immediate physical danger, but likely damaged morale as their clothes and gear became waterlogged. Mm, Walt Taylor suggested... No. Walt... (laughs) Walt Taylor suggested everyone walk around naked to show their faith in the sun god. Andy Hall reports that no one took him up on it. <laughs> he was the—he must have been that like the weirdo hippie of the group. Probably. <laughs> it is 1967. After yes, all. it is. Clark became the leader of the establishment of Camp Two at the top of the glacier, taking Lucterhand, Lucterhand. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Russell and Walt Taylor with him. The others continued moving their items from their initial cache to Camp One, while Clark's group was to establish Camp Two. Clark being in charge of this part of the mission didn't sit well with Russell, and Clark and McLaughlin brought skis to use to cross the glacier, and Russell very openly expressed his opinion that that was dangerous. The team began to regard Russell as someone who did pick his battles. He just picked every one of them. (laughs) When one of his concerns proved slightly justified, McLaughlin lost control of his skis and nearly knocked Russell into a pile of slush, Russell angrily approached Wilcox and demanded supplies enough to make it down the mountain. So he's like, I am just leaving. Wilcox convinced him to stay, promising to resolve the skiing issue. This just led to another argument over who in the group was the most qualified to determine if skis were safe. Eventually, Russell was overruled and Clark and McLaughlin were allowed to continue to use their skis. Wilcox put his foot down, emphasizing that he was leader of the expedition, and in laying out the current rules for the group, he said those rules were subject to change if safety was a question. Well, anyway. The following day, Russell refused to clip into his rope team because one of the skiers, Clark, was on it. Wilcox told Russell that maybe he should leave the expedition. Russell clipped into the rope team, so he... He was like, okay, fine. Another argument arose when Russell suggested to Snyder and Wilcox that the Colorado team's extra gear should be left behind. Wilcox agreed to some of the supplies being extraneous, including an extra stove, but Snyder refused to leave anything back. In order to lighten their packs, the expedition would be, would, uh, up leaving behind most would end up leaving behind most of their shovels and saws, which Andy Hall cites as evidence Shovels and saws, I said, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which Annie Hall cites as evidence that the expedition had an ignorance of Denali's power, as those items were essential for building shelters to protect mm-hmm. against deadly windstorms. Nowadays, these snow saws, shovels, and spades are mandatory gear for the Denali guides. I have a question. Or maybe it's more of a statement that I think this would be a good stopping point for part one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because we're only about halfway through the page-wise, and I don't want to rush the rest of Nicole's research, which I feel like I'll start to do, because it, it's uh, after you talk for a couple hours, you get kind of tired, and it's easy to start, you do. Yeah. <laughs> to start glossing over things and, and whatever. So I think that that is going to be the end of part one. What do I, you think? I agree. Yeah. Okay. So because because it sounds like in. it's set up very well. We're about to get into it. Yeah, it doesn't sound like, like things are going very well. <laughs> nobody's dead yet. No. Yet being the key word. And very few people seem happy at this point. Yeah. Like it sounds and like a, a breakdown. And again, of it's it's um, it's a posse of mountain climbers that don't know each other. 
that's really that is surprising me a lot that anyone would think that that's okay. Like, I would, would not. You, would you no. trust a group no. of strangers to go up a mountain? Yeah. No. Fuck no. Yeah. Like to play a pickup game of basketball. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna die doing that. Exactly. Unless, unless I have a heart attack, mm-hmm. and that's not anybody else's and fault. And that not all of them were very experienced. Yeah. Like if you were gonna go up with strangers, you'd it, pick like primo. Well, it sounds people, like right? this guy just has a hard on to be a, the first at doing this and that, and oh, Steve's gonna come. Great. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, you know. Yeah. Does has Steve ever even walked up a hill? I'm not sure, but he's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's very ill-conceived. It seems. Yeah. It seems. At best, it's ill-conceived. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At worst, it's really just a terrible idea. Yeah. Which is what it seems to be. So, so yes, part two coming out next week. That'll yes. be good. I, I, and we still. We still don't know no. what's going to happen aside from seven we know five people. Or seven, yes, I'm sorry. Seven people Seven people pass away. do not survive. Yeah. It's yeah. which seven is it going to be. I have a couple of ideas on at least two people. Well, I'm interested, like, will Wilcox die? I'm thinking he will, but I guess we'll find out next week. I guess we will. Like dramatic music. Yes. <laughs> so that was episode one of the 1967 Wilcox Expedition. Oh, uh, courtesy of Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. Absolutely. Thank you very much. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. We will have part two next week. And we'll see you next week. You're David. And I'm David. And that screwed me up that that I put that in there. (laughs) I'm I'm David. I'm Rachel. We will see you next week.